I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. Elisha Abbas was a talented kid, the great-grandson of the legendary Russian pianist Alexander Skriavin. Elisha's talent was noticeable as early as age four, when he started learning piano at the Jerusalem Conservatory. By the time he was 11, he had already performed with Leonard Bernstein in Carnegie Hall, as Isaac Stern sat in the audience watching. But alongside his passion for music, young Elisha was also drawn, like so many other Israeli kids, to the game of soccer. And soon enough, the boy realized that his aspirations of being an international piano star come at a great price. He decided to let go of the piano and become a professional soccer player. His soccer career flourished and it seemed life was going in the right direction. But then, when Alicia was 30, something unexpected happened, leading him back to the embrace of the piano. Twin JB is honored to be joined by Alicia Abbas. This podcast is made in collaboration with the Jewish Journal. Today, Eitan is not here. He's abroad. And I'm here with Alicia. So, what was the first time like you had a relationship with the piano? Do you remember? I don't really remember when I started, but uh, my my first memory as a student, piano student, was uh, from kindergarten. Uh, my parents used to take me uh, two times a week uh, earlier than other kids, and uh, I still remember that that uh, I it was not so. Uh, it uh, they needed to. Uh, uh, buy me something for that so every week I get an, a new matchbox which uh, used to be kind of a matchbox car uh, it's a little model mm-hmm. of uh, cars and after I got my uh, after your I little bribe yeah a little bribe I I agreed and uh, we travel all the way from Kiryat Yarim which is a little bit out of Jerusalem to my piano teacher, and uh, that's my first. Uh, uh, that's actually the 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 memory that I have. Before I don't remember when I really started, but I remember in kindergarten that I used to go. So your parents discovered you have this talent, and they like they were like pushers, as they say today, the parents who want their son to excel. Uh, my parents. Uh, didn't discover any uh, talent uh, it was I was the first child of my parents and uh, I uh, obviously uh, uh, liked uh, music and uh, I used to sing uh, I guess uh, uh, I, not in a regular way uh, and the neighbor told my parents that uh, not every kid is, is uh, not every child is uh, singing like that uh, i guess i was uh, it's not that i have a nice voice i still don't but uh, i was uh, on tune and i could sing along long uh, uh, melodies uh, so i have a good memory so he said you know he remembers such a long uh, pieces and he sing them so uh, accurate 
So maybe you should take him to a lesson or to start to study an instrument. And then I went to Jerusalem Conservatory and there was uh, my first teacher there. Uh, her name was Esther Medvetsky. I did uh, what every other kid do. They do a little uh, exam or I don't know exactly. And they, then they asked me what instrument I want to play. And she said she really recommends she wanted. I guess she saw that I have a very, I have a perfect pitch and uh, all these uh, qualities that, that uh, right away you can see uh, in a simple exam. And uh, she she recommended the piano. So I, that's how it all started. And you didn't have a piano at home? No, but right away after I start to take lesson, my father have one. He rented one actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I, I I read that you one of your first teachers was a very important uh, lady. Can you tell me about her? It's legendary uh, teacher. It's not uh, my first teacher. It's uh, I I actually in my life I have two teachers. One of them was the first teacher that I just talk about in Jerusalem Conservatory. And when I was uh, around six years old, my father uh, thought, uh, was sure actually, I don't know why, but uh, he was sure that I'm the most talented uh, child in the world and I have to go to the best teacher uh, in Israel those days. And he... Uh, called Plina Zaltzman, mm -hmm. which was a, a legendary uh, figure and also a great uh, pianist and uh, also a great teacher, but uh, she never taught uh, kids. And my father uh, uh, asked her to listen to me and she thought, you know, it's another crazy father, it's another, uh, another child. Uh, and she's, she never teach uh, kids, but she said, you know what, bring him in a couple of months. She, she gave us a date or something like that, and uh, we come. And I played, and she said to my father, yeah, it's we need to do something about that because it's really a great talent, So, uh, but I'm not going to torture uh, such a young kid uh, two times a week. Uh, coming to Tel Aviv all the way from Jerusalem, and we're talking about uh, early 70, 70s. No, yeah, it was let's say '77 uh, or uh -huh. something like that. So the roads was not so good, and yeah. it took forever to to do this. Uh, so she said to him that uh, she will start teach me definitely, but in two years, when I will reach the age of eight and. Uh, it's more reasonable and my father said to her that's not a problem uh, we're just gonna move and uh, really yeah and and really just right after that let's say maybe month after we were already uh, moved to uh, Sharon, where we are doing this interview yes and uh, that's it the rest is history. Which I was think. nowhere in the 70s. Yeah, it was kind of a suburb, you know, the cheapest place uh, in the, the area of Tel Aviv. Uh, and uh, I started to, to uh, take lessons with uh, Tina Zaltzman. And was it hard? 
Because no. when I think about piano lessons, you know, I think about torturous, uh, endless lessons when they tell you to do this again and again and it again. It was and not again. hard, you know why? Because it's uh, it's something as a as a kid. You don't know anything else, you know. It's like to ask someone in the Chinese circus, one of these like seven years old girls that do incredible thing that you just can't believe that human being can do, and uh, you know they do it. If you will ask this kind of girl, is it hard? She she will don't understand your question because that's the only that's her reality. It was my reality, and uh, I, I don't think it was hard because I didn't know anything else. So when you look at this Chinese girl at the circus, you can appreciate her, her art, but you also feel sorry for her. So I got to ask you right off the bat, do you feel a little bit sorry for yourself um, for what you're describing? You know, it, it, it must have been... Maybe even traumatizing? I don't know, or maybe not. Uh, the answer is absolutely no. I don't feel uh, pity or uh, sorry for uh, this uh, Chinese girl, whatever she is, and I don't feel sorry or pity for any kind of uh, talented um, uh, child because it's actually um, um, a privilege because, uh, you know... When you want to do something really serious in life, you have to uh, to have to give a lot of effort for that. But uh, it wasn't your choice. It was not my choice, but you know what? I was uh, strong enough, and uh, obviously, and eventually, I showed that I have enough um, um, uh, brave to to say no in certain points. But I have a very uh, very happy childhood. I was also a very uh, I was a regular kid. I was doing sport. I, I have friends. Uh, in those days, I am sure today it would never pass. But my father had a special agreement with the uh, school principal <laughs> that I start uh, school at uh, ten o'clock. So. You know what, I, 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 I practice in the morning two hours uh, instead of going to school, which was a bonus for me. I in never, Tel Aviv? No, it was actually here. Oh, okay. In Odashawon, and I was uh, strolling to school around 10 o'clock. Uh, it was like, you know, walking slow, so I just arrived to school every day around 10.30, <laughs> which was not such a bad um, uh, deal for me. And, uh, okay, so, you know, I practice in the morning, and uh, that was kind of my reality. So, for your question, I don't feel any kind of, sorry, not for myself and not to any other uh, uh, talented uh, kid, uh, because that's a really a privilege to find out you have talent. And, uh, you know, because many people maybe have talent to some I don't know what, but but and it's never been discovered, and th for them I feel pity, yeah, because it's a totally different life, you know. You, maybe you have a talent for something, and uh, somehow you never discovered that. I feel sorry for these people because you know the essence of someone that uh, born with a, with a heavy talent for something, and somehow life and the dynamic of life and, and uh, uh, parents or whatever it is. Uh, like how many Elishas are there in India? 
for example i don't i don't know about india but i'm sure i'm sure in israel there is some militias that never uh, understand that they have a, a great talent for music and obviously i'm sure that they really like music they really uh, feel connected to music but uh, unfortunately music is kind of a field that you need to start early to become uh, really good i mean you can start later on but for my opinion and now when i'm also teaching uh, i can tell when uh, students start a little bit later than uh, five or six let's say uh, in my case i started four which I, it's even a bigger advantage uh, I see something uh, different because, you know, uh, when you start very young, like any other thing, including languages, let's say, uh, you speak with no accent. Or the same thing with piano, you know, it's, it's funny to say, but... Like I, a language. Yeah, and I hear some uh, even great pianists that start a little uh, later, you feel a little accent. It's not natural. It's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, but you you want to tell me that you can listen to several players and you can t hear the difference between someone who started at four and someone who started at twelve and someone who started at fifteen. Nobody started in twelve and fifteen right, and become okay. a professional. But I, I well, now when I when I teach, you know, I can tell the different. Of the approach, mm -hmm. you know, you have to uh, feel connect totally, hundred percent connected with the keys. Yeah, as sooner is better. I think uh, it's not that it's like you know you cannot play the piano, but it's harder. I think to learn later on, and uh, now when I teach talented kids, uh, I have more to do and more work to um, help them to play without an accent. Mm -hmm. And uh, back to your childhood, so what's the, I wonder what's the most memorable lesson you learned from Pnina, your teacher? You know, the, 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 the connection and the relationship between a talented uh, child and the master is uh, something that you cannot describe in one lesson or in one uh, moment. Mm -hmm. It's a constant uh, uh, dynamic that goes on for uh, years. And, you know, overall, you, I can see it as a great experience and a great relationship. I cannot describe one specific moment between me and my teacher. It's more the, the experience of, of growing up next to someone like that and study and uh, to try to answer your question i cannot put my finger and say that was a special moment or something like that it was all special right it was all uh, uh, very uh, it was magnificent actually uh, to study with her it was uh, inspiring and uh, we fit very good she loves me very much uh, she respect me as an artist very much and one of her qualities as a teacher and now when i'm also teach myself i think i try to imitate it or to take this she was enough clever and and experienced to know what not to talk about which what do you mean you know 
music is to play an instrument uh, classical music it's a lot of uh, details but the most important thing is actually to be able to uh, to express your emotions through the music and that's something you shouldn't as a teacher you shouldn't instruct too much because as more you uh, aware of it uh, you the student will less be spontaneous right so as a teacher she understand that that the originality the spontaneity of of uh, of, of me it shouldn't be uh, actually uh, touched and that's that's what i mean when i say not to talk about i see yeah it's so that. interesting it does sound like language like i i can really relate to it like if i i'm studying language and there are certain things that 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 you just have to let it go and not think about it if you really want to excel in the language and let the mind do its spontaneous uh, yeah magic. I think it's like any other uh, thing that you do very serious and especially performing art or or sports for example which I also experienced uh, personally you know I'm going to the US Open every year and I watch tennis you know so right. um, you can see some players that their movement there it's 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 no accent it's it's beautiful it's natural and you know you cannot think about it and you cannot um, especially in money time you know you cannot be aware of what's going on you should disconnect yourself from your conscious and let your talent and that million year a million hours of practice right to talk it's like a goalkeeper on soccer right in that sense like if i think about soccer goalkeeping maybe is the essence of it right a goalkeeper is the is the, the person uh, that react to something else in the in the in the field but it, i think it's more equivalent to a field player mm -hmm. that uh, again should not think mm -hmm. when she let himself play very uh, spontane spontaneous and uh, again the million hours of practice and and becoming uh, so uh, uh, savvy that that you know you can just deliver something that sometimes is also close to art you know because some players can can do things that are so complicated but still beautiful yeah. and in the right moment and uh, that's uh, something I really appreciate. And, and, and I read about you performing to Arthur Rubinstein. Yes, uh, I was uh, I never performed to him. Uh, you know, in music, there is kind of it's very common and it's traditional thing that when there is someone that is a wonder kid or very talented, let's say, student, uh, you come to hear uh, opinion or to hear from master in this caliber. In my case, fortunately, you know, uh, Rubinstein was coming to Israel uh, every year and I was one of the, you know, most uh, talented kids here. So... Uh, How old were you? Like 10? The first time I played for Rubinstein, it was, I think, I was nine. Uh -huh. And... Uh, 
for he he heard me a couple of times after that and the last time we met it was when i was around 12 i think he was already 96 and i met him oh, while wow. i had some concert in europe i end up in uh, geneva and he was there he lived in geneva he was 96 and uh, uh, he invited me to play for him I played for him one time uh, all in, my, his, in his apartment in his apartment and I play all my program of all my recital program program I remember the, that he asked my father to ask me back then my English was even <laughs> worse than today uh, if I can play again the old program and I did how I, long is it like it's a recital it was like one hour uh, one, one hour. hour 15 I don't yeah. even remember what I played back then but uh, so what did you do? I played. Again? I, pl I played again. And then we went to uh, back to our hotel. Rubinstein was speaking with my father. And the day after, Rubinstein asked uh, uh, my father if we are uh, willing to come again for a tea uh, the, <laughs> the day after. So we came. And uh, uh, his uh, significant other... Uh, bought me an a Walkman, which was, I think we are talking about uh, 1982. That was a big thing to yeah. have a Walkman. <laughs> it just was come out to the world and it was kind of like a miracle that you can listen to music in the street. Yes. Today when you say it, uh, you know, to use every kid. Yeah, we sit here in a room yeah, with a but, radio studio. But then, then it was kind of a miracle and I was, I think, one of the first people in Israel that have Walkman because it was a very expensive instrument back then. Yeah. I remember it was, uh, it comes with a leather, uh, with a leather case. It was so, uh, you yeah, know... Yeah, luxurious. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, she gave me also a bunch of uh, uh, Rubinstein recording. I think she gave me all his recording, all his piano concertos. And then he asked me, uh, he told my father, I have also a little gift for uh, Alicia. And uh, he gave me kind of a, a little box wrapped with the present uh, wrap. And... Uh, uh, he asked me, can you guess what it is? And, uh, you know, I was very spoiled back then in Switzerland, you know, and uh, actually the Jewish community was uh, adapting me. So uh, I, I used to like specific, uh, very nice uh, chocolate that comes in a package that looks the same size. So I was naive and I say, I guess you bought me the chocolate that I really like. So he say open, so you should open and look. And then it was uh, this watch. I got this watch from him. Wow. Uh, Guys, you can't see, but it's a beautiful golden it, watch. It's, it's, a, it's, as you see, it's a beautiful golden Rolex watch. Rolex. But if you look at it, it's the size of uh, uh, more a boy, right, uh, and not an adult. So I got it there. Here I show you also. And in in the other side, there is a, how you say it in English? Like he wrote uh, something for yeah, you. Yeah, and it's written uh, for Alicia out to Rubinstein. Good luck. Wow, that's so, amazing. I'll take a picture and 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 share it. All right. It's so uh, that's wow. the story of Rubinstein and uh, after that... So a life-changing experience in a way, right? If you nah. wear the watch or no? 
You I, do wear the the watch, like, so it m- must like, mean something. I like watches. I like watches okay. now, but <laughs> it's a it's it's a special watch. You know, I yeah. have it. Uh, I'm 47 in December, so muscle tall. Thank you. So uh, that will be more than 30 years. Yeah, much more. Yeah. So it's still with me. And the year after, in the end of this year, I think Rubinstein died. And that's my experience with him. And uh, so he liked to listen to me. Yeah. So, so what went wrong with your music career when you were a kid? When did it nothing, change? Nothing, nothing went wrong. I was uh, very uh, busy. Uh, I, my, my progress was wonderful. I have the great, greatest teacher that, for me, uh, it fits very well. Uh, you know, to say it went wrong, it's not the right... Uh, uh, sure. uh, how, would you, absolutely. how would you say it? I just was uh, fed up and uh, I didn't want any more this lifestyle. It did come with a price, I guess, in the end of the day, when you think about it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have... There is nothing in life that comes with, with, uh, without a price. Everything yeah. has a, have a price tag. I, uh, I wanted, you know, I was a teenager uh, back then. I was around 14 or 15. I don't really remember exactly. But, you know, I discovered the, the girls. Yeah. I, no, uh, no Tinder yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I have a girlfriend back then, and uh, I was a little bit uh, fed up with traveling and uh, have all this pressure to prepare myself for two concert. And I was, I, I guess, strong enough to say I don't want it anymore. And your parents? When I told them that I don't want anymore, you know, it was very frustrating. But but I I got a lot of uh, support from them and uh, that was kind of it 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 died slowly back then because slowly slowly i started to practice less uh, to say more more time to say no to concerts until i have uh, a clear decision to say i don't want tomorrow to practice anymore and to work so hard Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say it went wrong. That's not the right way to describe it. It was just the way it went. And, and it was the right way for you. It's that's my way. Yeah, that was my way and my life story written that way. Yeah. Uh, I don't look at things in life uh, any kind uh, went wrong or right. I just look at it as it just happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, uh, I'm very, let's say, sincere with my feelings, mm-hmm. and uh, I go with my heart, and I am not afraid of doing changes and uh, doing what my heart is telling me, and uh, I think it's healthy. And uh, we're sitting here today, and I'm a very happy person. Uh, and I do what I, what I love. I still do it. So you came back. So you came back to piano, but but you you went to soccer. I it was not 
uh, that I went to soccer instead of piano because when I was nine years old, I already played soccer mm-hmm. in a team. And uh, it's just naturally when I uh, quit performing and uh, have, let's say, what people call regular life, not mm-hmm. a life on a, of an artist anymore, I continue my life as is, you know. I was a regular child. I was having a, a, a social life. I also played soccer. I also played basketball, by the way. And I also did any other thing. I don't know. I used to have a horse. I don't know. I'm trying to think about it. But what else I did? But you ended up... I ended up uh, eventually I I was keeping doing soccer and I you know I wasn't uh, the greatest soccer player in the world and I wasn't the greatest talent in the world but I definitely was a very serious um, human being from very young age and I understand the responsibility and uh, the the discipline, discipline that you and need devotion. To, yeah that you need to to do and everything you do in life so mm-hmm. that took me it was strong enough and it was enough to to uh, become a professional soccer player all throughout well, your twenties yeah and uh, I did it with a lot of uh, passion to that I really liked it it was my profession for a while and uh, what was your job on this field I was uh, I was midfield and also defender I play many I play many uh, uh, I have many duties let's say positions uh-huh. because I was uh, disciplined uh, I was very fast naturally and uh, work ethic So in the Israeli league, it was enough. I'm not sure that was enough if I was trying to do the same in Europe. But for the Israeli league, you know, I play uh, a couple of years, uh, Premier League, Second League, Third League. But Everything. Yeah, but I really liked it. So what, what, what happened then? Nothing. I mean, what... what but if I, if I were to tell you in the age of 25, in five years, you're going to be back to be... A pianist but you yeah. wouldn't believe me maybe uh, or maybe you would but but life did surprise you in that sense uh, or didn't it? it's first of all it was not when I was 25 it was around the age that usually you know uh, soccer players start to slow down a little bit 30 uh, yeah and uh, I studied law back then I uh, even uh, finished uh, I have a law degree and I already have two kids and And life was you know looked like a very um, the regular path let's say of a soccer player that uh, yeah every really soccer player has a degree in in, <laughs> in law <laughs> not every soccer player but you know every soccer player when he finishes his career is doing something so in my yeah. case I was study something and uh, you know I was in kind of a crossroads without you without being too dramatic about that but uh, something happened you know and I heard uh, kind of a voice uh, calling me back to the piano and uh, is that a metaphor or uh, yeah it is okay it is and <laughs> I'm not, I'm, not so, I, I'm a little crazy but not so you never crazy. know <laughs> no it was a it was a metaphor definitely and uh, I called my teacher Nina 
Nina Zaltzman and I said, you know, I want to meet. I didn't even know back then that I want to really play, but we, we just met. And You uh, were in touch all these no, years? No, no. You weren't in touch for no. 15 years? Yes. And You we, call her? I called her out of the blue and uh, we met and uh, it was right, right away the same uh, freedom. Chemistry. Yes. And uh, after a while I said, oh, you know, I want to start to take lessons again. And she said to me, of course, sure. And I guess it was one of her, you know, secret dreams that I will keep, I will start again, but she never mentioned it. And then I started to take lessons and I said, well, you know, I'm not taking lessons as kind of, you know, uh, hobby. I want to go back on stages. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that? It's possible. She said, she said to me, you know, uh, in the literature of, of classical music, I never heard about someone that uh, stopped when he's 15 and is uh, want to uh, make this comeback, which is cliche, but I did. <laughs> uh, so let's see. And I was uh, determined. And uh, definitely uh, have a strong uh, uh, capacity of uh, working hard. And for a couple of years we worked till one day she said to me, you know, uh, you don't want to perform? I said to her, I, I do. So, and she said to me, because you're ready to start performing. So uh, that's how it all started. So I did my first concert. A little recital, not more than 200 people or something like that. And I start to train uh, to perform because it's another thing. It's the art of performing. It's not. It's not enough to know to play the piano. You also have to, you know, not to to. Uh, how would you say it? To crack under pressure, and that's something that needs also training. And I start to perform, and I start to practice my. Uh, you did big uh, concerts. Back then, no. It was small concert. I start small. Since? Um, yeah. No. From Since then. then? Since then? I did, like in the last... I did uh, hundreds of concerts from the, the, the back then. And it's, we're talking about more than 10 years now. Right. But and since then, you've I been did, doing... I did big, very big, world. very big concerts already. I started very small concerts. and uh, But to be quite honest, it's not. it doesn't really matter because, you know, as an artist... When you're on stage, it doesn't really matter if you have uh, t uh, 10 people, 15 people, 100 people, 200 people, or 3,000 people, because the responsibility and the, the effort will be the same. And uh, I think artists, uh, when they perform, uh, I have a stage feel like any other <laughs> artist, and I... And I said very uh, confident, even though some will will say that they don't have. But I, I think uh, it's not true because when you're on stage, you know you have to deliver something, and when you do that, it the stage fear. I don't think it's it's from the audience. I think it's between yourself and the music to mm -hmm. be able to do it again and again and again in the quality that you're looking for and uh, for me it, it's there is no any difference between 3000 seats or or a little hall of 100 i always have this kind of um, um, responsibility 
and fear to be the best. And most of the time, yourself is happy with what you do? I'm always happy when the concert over. It doesn't matter what happened. But, uh, you know, a serious artist uh, work enough hard to be able to, to, to be satisfied. And uh, I mean, every, every serious artist, I'm not talking about myself, every serious artist not going on stage without really working really hard and prepare and be ready. I belong to the group of the, the artists that are very happy with what they do because uh, I feel very natural and spontaneous and they cannot be wrong. They, actually, they cannot be right or wrong. You do what you feel at the moment. So it's probably the right thing for that specific moment. Now, if we're talking about missing notes here and there, that's something that not bother me. I more care about playing free and to do the right phrase and to speak my heart. And if I do that, I'm very satisfied. And that's the only way I know. And each time is different for each you. Each time it's different, but you know, that's the only, the only way I know to play the piano is to express myself. When, when, you, when someone expresses himself, and of course, you know, I, I don't want to say that uh, my taste is perfect, but I definitely have a good taste. So I express myself under the, the limitation of the classical music standard, which is have some, the, the spectrum is very, uh, is, is wide, but still you need to play in certain way, uh, styles, whatever, if it's Bach, it's, it's, it's a style, if it's romantic, it's a style, if it's Mozart era, if it's modern music, if it's any composer, you know, you have to have specific approach, but even though uh, it's it's written note, and even though it's you heard it a million times already before, you still have like like a rainbow. There is never a, the same rainbow. Mm -hmm. It's the same colors there always, but it's never the same rainbow. And uh, you know this rainbow, you, you can always paint it uh, at the moment the way you feel, and uh, you, it cannot be wrong when you do it right from the heart yeah so uh, i'm satisfied with concert i'm also not bad <laughs> and you know so, so and, and pnina is she still with us or no pnina died uh, many maybe eight years ago and do you, do you think about her often i think about her sometimes uh, I, let's say I think about it about her sometimes. She of she's definitely a leading inspiration in my uh, artist's life, and especially as a teacher. That's right. You teach now how yeah. like uh, in in so, Manhattan. Uh, yeah. So as a teacher, I am very uh, connected to her attitude, to her approach, and uh, she comes to my. Uh, to, to my mind very often when I teach uh -huh. more than when I perform you know I would I would put it this way when I perform nothing no human being comes to my mind mm -hmm. it's it's a different uh, experience 
it's it's kind of a holy moment with all the the the, the preparation with all the special smell that there is on on stages i don't know if other artists smell it but i still smell the 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 the, the, the wood all this uh, all this environment right it's so special that it's not specific person or it's not actually it's almost a mystic yeah. experience yeah so it's not practical so right. okay this is Pnina or this is uh, I don't know Rubenstein or this is I don't know what it's. yeah uh, but when I teach I, I often remember you strike me as a I don't know maybe I'm wrong but as a rational person down-to-earth person and Very I wonder yeah. and I wonder if you believe in luck in life at all is there such a thing and was there for you I don't I don't really believe in luck I I don't think uh, uh, no it's all it's all the uh, it's you know in my case my father took me to the right teacher so some will say it's a luck but no he was just smart uh, about uh, yeah. crazy even yeah. you know uh, who he is and it's not luck it was just an attitude and the, my house my family took really serious uh, my my uh, artistic uh, development so it's not luck you know and if i look at all the things that happened to me during my career and during my uh, i wouldn't say career during my life as an artist you know what there was no one thing that luck involved because you know i i i met rubinstein not because it was luck you know it was just you know i was talented enough to to make someone say you know mr rubinstein there is this talented boy and then you know the fact that for example rubinstein decided to buy me a gold Rolex watch and uh, with the with uh, a grave obviously engraving engraving it was not also luck it was just what it is you know and when yeah. uh, when you are a talented person and you're willing to work hard very hard and that's not luck that's every day that's that's very practical and the the, the practicing of, of uh, a classical musician people that didn't experience this they don't even understand how boring it is it's yeah. very boring and there is nothing uh, uh, glamour about the hard work and when you do all these things you know you minimize the luck uh, um, uh, to nothing basically not almost to, to nothing the, to the minimum yeah you minimize and you minimum. are making your way through the difficulties and there is sometimes circumstances but it's still you know there is there is a, a joke that I uh, heard actually yesterday the, the joke goes like that there is a, a someone that going every day to the Kotel uh, Amaravi right the, the wall in the Jerusalem wall. And every day he put inside a little note and he asked God, please, God, make me win the lottery. Every single day, every single day he goes there. And one day Gabriel, the angel, come to God and say, you know, God, yeah, 
every day, you know, we go in there and uh, why don't you give him one time? He's so persistent every single day. So God said, you know, I thought about it. I, I wanted to give him, but he never buy a ticket. So same here, you know, you have to do everything yeah. every day and also to buy the ticket. So Which is sometimes the hardest part. It is, but you you have to do it. So still today, you know, there is circumstances. You meet people. It's because you are out there. You you cannot be home and to and to just practice. You and you need to also be practical and do other things. So I think the 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 weight of lack in suc- successful or or to fulfill your dreams if you're really persistent willing to work really hard uh, the weight is almost zero of course there, there can be you know with some luck situation but you know if not today it can come tomorrow and you you should bring the luck to you mm-hmm. like like the cliche but it's not it should work it's just working hard and of course you have to born with some talent And buy the ticket and buy the ticket <laughs> yeah so concerts are there any concerts in in America coming up actually it, it's funny because you know more than any other place in the world that I'm uh, uh, spending time it's America and all my career is uh, all concerts are actually um, uh, in Europe okay in Far East. We have uh, listeners in Europe, so yeah, if there's in, something... In, in Russia, I have many concerts. Okay. I just have to go to my website Which if, is? I, if, I, if I update it. <laughs> And What's the website? It's alishaabbas.net. Okay, we'll put a link. Yeah, and uh, I, that's what I do. If, uh, I, uh, but in America, I'm not so uh, involved in the classical music scene somehow, but I like it a lot. So I, love, I, love the, I love New York. It's also cliche, but it's true, you know. <laughs> they, say, they say about cliche that cliche is it's, it's something very smart that someone said that many, many people repeat it. <laughs> I love the city, I love uh, the life there. And, uh, and if someone from our listeners in New York have a talented kid, they can contact you or how does it work? Yeah, I don't mind. Okay. I always open to, yeah, I, I always open to hear uh-huh. to give my advice and also to teach if it's something that fit because you know it's not just if if the kid is fit me I also have to fit the kid yeah you know and uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I have my own way and approach and it's a mutual thing you know I can be the greatest teacher in the world which I'm sure I'm not but uh, I can be a good teacher to someone and to someone else I can be just not a match right yes okay so thank you so before we go we have a collaboration with the Jewish Journal a great website and then new source in LA jewishjournal.com and we accept donations guys so please go to twinjb.com donate and throw your salary at our direction please And that's it. Alicia, thank you so much. It thank was you. fascinating. Thank you, thank you very Thanks. much. Shabbat shalom. Bye. Bye-bye.